0: Hi, welcome to STEMpunk. My name's Tom, and we've got a guest talking to us today. That guest is much better at introducing themselves than I am, so guest, introduce thyself.
1: Uh Hello, I'm Mitchell Gibbs. I'm a PhD student uh, in the uh, School of Life and Environmental Sciences. I work with oysters in climate change, energetic reserves of those oysters. Okay, do you want to unpack that a little bit? Let's, uh, let's figure out what that means. So pretty much I work with oysters where I stress their parents out in the conditions of climate change and then see how their their young are affected predominantly by their energetic reserves and how that affects their next generation. So how that continues on and hopefully give an acclimation answer to climate change.
0: Are the results predictable and and horrifying or how's it looking?
1: It's not as horrifying as you would expect. It's not good. Yeah right okay. but um, it's not as horrifying as you'd expect. Like there is there is the ability to acclimate but it is in a uh, in an area that shouldn't be happening that quickly to start with. So it's a double-edged sword, I guess you could say.
0: So what are some of the techniques you use to stress the parents out?
1: Well, we add in different temperatures and different CO2 conditions. We've also started doing salinity due to the fact that a lot of polar caps are melting and the um, salinity of the water will get, will then go down. Uh, we've also done feeding delays. So um, due to the change in a sporadic uh, rain, t- um, rainfall and everything like that so oysters um, use rainfall to um, spawn so being able to change that which also changed salinity and those sorts of things as well so changing the um, the food salinity pH and temperature is the most that we're doing at the moment.
0: Like a scientific process question do you do all of those changes at once or you change one thing and then wait for the response and then and then try a different thing and ch- and wait for the response or do you change like it's multi-factors change at once
1: so before I did my stuff my supervisor had done a lot of her um, stuff just on co2 pH for the water and we then moved on to pH and temperature the other ones with salinity and food they go into say the next generational change so um, they're stuff that you can't really do until it's in the environment Whereas salinity and pH is something that you can do um, through the parents and and something that we've already done through parents. Whereas if we do salinity in the parents, then um, we're missing out on what the temperature is actually doing as well. So the reason why we're doing it individually to start with is so that we can see the individual stresses and how they react.
0: How far into it are you?
1: I've only got... About 6 months left.
0: Oh, okay, so that's at the level where you're starting uh yeah, where you don't ask anymore. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I don't want to ask any more questions. I'm happy with it. I'm just going to write.
0: <laughs> also anyone else around if uh, yeah, if you see Mitch around don't ask him how the writing's going.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'll just have my head down. <laughs>
0: So as well as a PhD student, you're you're an Indigenous scientist as well? Yep. Tell us, I mean, we were talking just before I pressed record, but tell us a little bit about the stuff that you want to do.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm an Indigenous student. I came from uh, Kempsey, the Dunghardi area. I would love to be able to get the Indigenous knowledge systems and Indigenous science and implement that in the university to have it crossed over so you can see that, well, science is science. It's not indigenous is not Western. It's just that um, it's just that all the recognition has gone to Western society. So, um, being able to show the recognition of Indigenous science in um, the university, I, I hope I can do that anyway.
0: Uh, we went to to Gama Festival to do some you know science workshops, but invited all of the uh, the students from high schools around the area. But none of them were the Indigenous students. Like it felt really weird. Yeah. Like, this was a few years ago. It felt really weird to be there as a scientist. Giving science workshops at Gama to non-indigenous students—it felt very strange. And I just thought, where where are the indigenous scientists here? Where are they to help
1: us teach science in in country, like about indigenous science? Right? It's, it felt very weird. It's like a silly question to ask because not your question, but a question um, to say like, why is there no indigenous scientists? It's like such a um, mind-boggling thing because um, there's been science in um, indigenous cultures for thousands of years, and it's it's weird to see no one there, as you say. The only thing I can say is that, uh, so I'm a twin and my twin brother, luckily enough, I'm decent enough at um, school work but my brother isn't he's a very hyperactive um hands-on kind of person and and even at school his um someone at the school was saying that he shouldn't do science because it's not for indigenous people that was a like obviously a stupid comment but i think it's because it's education and so many people aren't educated in the facts that indigenous people aren't just hunters and gatherers they've been conducting science for thousands of years that science is in their blood. It's just that so many people don't know it and it's d- very disheartening to know that some people would still think that and hence why my brother um, didn't do science until he left school. That might be a reason as to why I didn't see any scientists in your class. Because they were
0: told not to be there.
1: Maybe, yeah. Oh my God.
0: So how, how do you want to go about changing that? Like apart from bringing Western science to Indigenous science and vice versa as well, yeah. like, how, how do you do that?
1: There's so much Indigenous science and that the university recognises that Then I'm hopefully hoping that it trickles down into the school systems being there careers advisors teachers when they look at what people will be doing at the university they'll see a huge aspect of indigenous science throughout all of the sciences they'll be more inclined to be like no no you should be doing science you should do this i'm hoping that'll work as well as working with the widening participation outreach um, people to show um, indigenous programs for indigenous and non-indigenous students that um, there's a lot of indigenous science and and that's the fact of getting it teaching to both uh, areas not just Indigenous students, so that everyone can recognise and, and respect it. Keen to see where you go with that, because
0: it's it's pretty fascinating. I'll ask you the question we ask all of our guests. I don't know the answer to it, <laughs> so <laughs> I'd love to see what you say. What does STEM mean to you?
1: Obviously, there's the basic understanding of the word STEM. I guess that's not what you want. So No, I, w- I want what it means to you. So I think STEM is, for me anyway, is the understanding, or not even understanding, just the ability to interact with things around you, so anything that anyone does with an observation is science and I think putting a definition on stem itself is very hard because it's in all of our lives even if you think you're not a scientist you are in some aspect or not I I can't answer but I can only think that it's any observations any anything that you do as a person is to do with stem
0: do you do you think you're of yourself as a scientist or you know as a, a worker in stem or a stem professional or something like which is which is more
1: scientist or stem i'd probably say i'd probably say just a student of life (laughs) student of life (laughs) i i I can't say that i'm a scientist because there's many people who are much more qualified in science than i am i'm i'm happy to be in this area and if other people call me scientist then i'm not going to say no (laughs) because i'll I'll be happy with it but yeah i'll
0: call you that not even when you get a phd and people call you doctor you're like
1: uh, again like it's it's one of those things that i'm recording observations and and people i've had people ask me before like oh um you must be so smart or something i'm like no i'm just practiced yeah, and yeah 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 and i'm practiced in this area and i think that Many people can do it. Many people who think they can't do it can do it. I've just also had the opportunity and the, um, I guess, luck to be able to be where I am. So I have an answer
0: and, and that's great. <laughs> uh, I appreciate it. I'm going to uh, ask you a very special question that was asked by our last guest. Uh, her name is Annie Hanmer and she's from Sydney Uni as well. And she works with the, or is doing a PhD in uh, history and philosophy of science. Oh, wow. And she was saying that she has this discussion with her friends and was uh, desperate to know what other people thought. So her answer, her question is, if you could experience going into a black hole, knowing that you'd never come back, would you?
1: I think not. Like, it'd obviously be very nice to understand what happens in a black hole. That would just be me understanding it. And then uh, I wouldn't be able to give anything to anyone else because I'd be gone. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to say no. <laughs>
0: Would, it, like, would you be interested to know what it feels like, though?
1: I would. I would. But my understanding for black holes is very limited. So, for me, the feeling for me would be something that no one else would ever feel, which is completely different and unique. But it's not like my understanding would change of a black hole from that. Whereas, if it was someone else who understood black holes and those sorts of things, maybe they could even find a way back. Who knows? Yeah, right. But I think it would be a waste of to put all that money and experience into me (laughs) so the next part of the question which the bit that i
0: added was you know if you could use that experience and send data back to people on earth about that experience so that we can learn about black holes for the unique perspective of someone falling into one would you would that change your mind
1: yeah i think so i think being able to to be able to give information to someone, like, my understanding for everything is that learning is so ve- so very important and that I mightn't be able to learn anything from it because I might be gone at that point. But but he- uh, everyone else will be able to learn something from it. So, I think that, yeah, I think that if I was able to send information back, then it would definitely alter my perception of going in or not. Yeah, right.
0: I'm, I kind of agree with you. Annie's question Annie's answer was yep yeah, I'm, I'm down just okay. straight in yeah give it, give it. <laughs> like I think that's wonderful like she just wants to know it. like going on a like a roller coaster or something that's an experience that I want she says yeah
1: like I, like if I'd experienced everything on this earth then I'd probably say yes yeah. but I can't sure okay <laughs> other things first uh, yeah that's right like stuff that I know that I can come back to and then do something else yeah but um <laughs> but if yeah if I had experienced everything then maybe but I'd still have to say at this time no <laughs> <laughs> what if? What if we? You
0: know, humanity has decided we're <clears> going to send one person anyway, and everyone's names in the hat. Oh, look! If right? I get and picked, and then if picked. you get picked, you're going into a black hole. Uh, like you can say yes or no. You know, it's just total random. It's we've chosen you. Have that experience.
1: Well, uh, yeah, I guess like if it's if it comes down to that, then I guess it saves someone else. Maybe uh, sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, he said yes. Let's get, him. get him, go. Where's the nearest
0: black hole? <laughs> In the centre of the galaxy. Oh, oh. big one. To find that
1: one, I don't know. It's a fascinating question. Yeah, it's an it's, unanswerable question. Yeah, basically. like because like you can answer it on the basis of it won't happen. So yeah, and then but then like if ever it does, and you're like I said yes to this, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: there you go, Annie. Hopefully you enjoyed the answer. <laughs> so. I mean, our next guest, we're going to interview someone else uh, later in this week and you get to ask them a question. So, what, what do you want to ask them about anything? Anything that uh, that you have an answer for or that you want an answer for or you want a guest of ours to discuss?
1: All right. I think the question I would ask is, if there's any life experience that you would like to relive, what would it be and why? Oh, wow. What would you relive? Uh, maybe, I think something, something that's, so as I said before, I have a twin brother, so I think that... Uh, I also have a sister. We take for granted a lot of the moments that we had. So, I think that even just going back and reliving something silly, like even... So, we used to... My parents have a property in Willow Warren and we used to ride horses there. and, And I think even just, I don't know, just maybe even doing something like that or something simple but something that i'd obviously taken for granted of and wished i could do again but i can't give you an exact answer now. <laughs> Yeah, sure. no, that's,
0: that's fine i'd probably go to uh you know the birth of my kids yeah that's it i'd really that again that was, that was a good time
1: i imagine so like something so magical that happens and yeah. it Happen so, like in the grand scheme of things, very quickly, or even like
0: you said, I like that. Just like insignificant things that you didn't didn't know. Like, yeah, it's almost like just choose one of those happy times from when the kids were small. Yeah, go back and be there again.
1: Yeah, and I think like like it'd be weird having our um, mind that we have now on the shoulder of a say an eight or ten year old or something. Yeah, but, sure. But yeah, I think that um, understanding more of the how easy and simple it was then would yeah. be so much so much better than thinking about the complexity that we go through now okay
0: so great question I don't know who the next guest is. Oh, so oh. someone will answer that question, and then I look forward to it. <laughs> so th- this is one of my favourite questions to ask people because it, it shows that that you love learning. It, it for me anyway. The, the idea is that everyone's a nerd. Some people are science nerds and sports nerds and Pokemon nerds. <laughs> and nerds, you know, you can have any any kind of nerd, and they're really passionate about stuff, and they want to talk about it and get people to know about their thing. What's the thing that you nerd out about? When you're not being a, you know, a, a scientist or a PhD student or, you know, what do you learn, nerd out about? Or when someone stops learn, uh, stops listening to this podcast, what do you want them to go and find out about?
1: Oh, okay. So, for a very long time. So, when I was going through school and, and even now, I read a lot of comics. Uh-huh. And even, like, Japanese manga and mostly Marvel. I'm not a big fan of DC. Yeah, I think that... I think if anyone was to obviously the MCU with their um, cinematic universe for Marvel is, is really good, but uh, in a lot of ways they've ruined other storylines and I, um, it often frustrates me watching those and seeing that there's great storylines that they've just either brushed over or they've changed completely because they're just trying to make it easier for um, characters within the MCU. So I would say um, going and looking at the actual comics for Marvel, so, and one of them would be um, the World War Hulk series, it's the best storyline within Marvel. Really? Yeah, it's it's by far the best storyline. And um, the Hulk goes absolutely nuts. Beats literally every superhero on Earth. <laughs> There's a long storyline to it, but yeah, it's it's very, very good. Yeah, right. Yeah. And what are some of the other characters that they've crossed over? Uh, so, like, one of the big ones was the Hulk because, like, they tried to make him funny and he's not usually funny. He's just a, a nerd. But yeah. he's also a very strong um, person as well. But, well, thing. I no know. They've changed um, some of the small things like, captain america's shield where it's like made by vi- vibranium but it's there's two types and um for vibranium one it absorbs all vibrations whereas like in the movies they show that it like reflects it and it's the same with um pink panther's claws he uses vibranium two, so it um uh reflects vi- vibrations so it can like cut through anything because it's um makes vibrations in anything that it touches sure sure so there's things like that 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 change like the powers of some of the um characters huh. and they also make captain america strong which is. He's only like fifteen times, or probably even ten times stronger than the average human. Okay.
0: <laughs> um, Corey also asked me to ask you about rugby.
1: Yeah, yeah I play rugby. Okay. Um, I'm playing in a team called Sydney Harlequins. Where, well, we haven't lost a game this year. We've uh, drew one game, but just for clarification, it's league, right? Rugby Union. Rugby Union. There yeah. you go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. where I'm from is like huge league territory, but my parents never let me play. So um, I came to Sydney, um, went to University Western Sydney, and they had rugby union, so I just started playing. You rebel. Oh, I know <laughs> <laughs> My parents have no idea Don't tell them uh, What position do you play In, uh, in Union? Uh, I play fullback So I like to I like to run the ball <laughs> you, you like You run
0: And you get a couple of tries Every now and then
1: um, Yeah I've got A few this year Yeah I always used to find it
0: funny when they would, they'd show the stats, you know, like the the wingers have 15 tries, you know, this season, uh, and the uh, the number two doesn't have any. It was like, well, that's not their job. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's right. Everyone's like, why isn't he scoring tries? Yeah. Well, because he's making it happen. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah. If you looked at what
1: he did. Yeah. Phew, those bastards. I couldn't even believe to be in there. Oh, yeah. I, I look at the scrums every time and I think, oh, I'm so happy I'm not in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're as far away from that as Oh possible. yeah Literally as far away as possible <laughs> Yeah I couldn't think
0: of it I I, used, I I love what You know they've got the tape Around the ears Like it looks It looks funny But you think about What they're doing there Like they're oh. They're stopping their ears being From being ripped off
1: Pretty much And like Some of the old fellas You see them have those big um, Fat ears The cauliflower ears Yeah yeah Oh mate They've had some boots <laughs> On their head for sure Yeah <laughs>
0: uh okay do you have uh do you have anything else anything else you wanted to you want to mention or um, questions, comments
1: no i think that uh, i think everything's been pretty good uh, the only thing i will say is if anyone wants to read a really good book read dark emu from bruce pascoe it's a really really good book and it um highlights a lot of um indigenous knowledge um that's been going on for thousands of years so if anyone was interested in that area then yeah and if not go to marvel <laughs> Yeah
0: right. <laughs> no, I'd uh, I'd second and third and a billionth that it's a good gateway I think as well because it's it it's really got, does open eyes. It's got me thinking about all the other stuff from different authors around that have that have written that sort of stuff. There's also a couple of people to look out for. Dwayne Harmaker. Oh, I
1: don't yeah? know If you
0: know Dwayne, no, I don't. he's down in uh, Melbourne. He's just been appointed by Melbourne University as the as an Indigenous or Aboriginal astronomy expert. Oh, so wow. running a group down there, I think, stupidly fantastic. So you know, there's there's research into indigenous astronomy and indigenous science that's that's happening at melbourne which i think is pretty fantastic like he was telling me for example that you know stonehenge is a thing yeah but thousands and thousands of years before it happened in the northern hemisphere it happened in the southern hemisphere
1: yeah so i wouldn't even be surprised and also on that is that um one of the um things that i find fascinating is that um now i might be wrong on the person but i think it was galileo who was the first person to put moon cycles and wave ocean currents together whereas indigenous people knew that thousands of years ago and there's even paintings on that and correct yeah and it's just like there's so much knowledge yeah
0: and dwayne uh, uh, was telling me as well that galileo got it wrong yeah really like he was he was uh he could explain why there are um you know two tides per day but not four
1: oh really whereas the indigenous people have known for have, yeah had known that forever yeah yeah it's amazing and had explanations for it yeah They're, it's And, like, again, as I said earlier, that that all science is just observations and and understanding those observations is also... And, yeah, Indigenous people have done it for so long, so... So, Oh, I will also say, um, any really, really smart people, um, a guy called David Unapon is someone to really look into. He's an incredible person. He's the guy on the $50 note. Yeah, he is indeed. Invented uh, the mechanical
0: shears. Yeah. And a bunch of other things. I talk about him a lot. Oh, okay. Uh, so, yeah. he had 19, I think, patent yeah. applications. One was for a perpetual motion machine. <laughs> yep. Didn't happen. No. Uh, one was for a helicopter based on the design
1: of a boomerang. Yeah, he's, um, his rotary engine is now in helicopters. Yeah, right. Yeah. There you go. He's Yeah, he was well before his time. Well,
0: yeah. no, I think oh, of his time. Uh, well. But, uh, but just very, very good at it. Yeah. Was the first... Uh, indigenous author on a scientific journal. I think.
1: Yep. and he was the um, first real first um, Indigenous movement person as well. Yeah, right. So he um, he's done a lot in science and in culture for um, both Indigenous people and non-Indigenous people. So he's he's a very very good person. Yeah, cool. Yeah, was my, he
0: was he from around your area?
1: No, no. Okay, I, just, I think he's from South Australia. actually. Yeah, I think okay. so. But he's like I just he's my favourite scientist. So yeah, cool. <laughs> okay, there you go.
0: Yeah. Maybe that should be my next question. Like, who's your favorite song? Oh, that's a good one. I think so. (laughs) Well, we've reduced our time, but uh, added questions. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, Mitch. That was amazing. Yeah, no
1: worries at all. I'm more than happy to come back if you want me to talk at all. And I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you.